Welcome to the Adaptive Executive Podcast, where we meet with senior executives and discuss how to keep yourself and your organization adaptive and your employees engaged. My name is Greg Ballard, founder and owner of 5C Consultant, and I am your host. If you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, you can apply on our website at 5C.consulting. Look for the word podcast. For now, let's dive into the show. All right. This is Greg Ballard here with the Adaptive Executive, and I have a guest, a very special guest, Mr. Frank Denno. Uh, Frank and I have known each other for many years. Uh, Frank is one of my early and one of my most significant mentors. Uh, if you have worked with me through coaching or leadership development, uh, that is much to do with Frank's influence and the time we spent working together. So I want to welcome Frank, and uh, we're going to have a great conversation today. Frank, introduce yourself a little bit and tell us a bit about your background and the work you're currently doing today. Yeah, definitely. But first, thanks, Greg. That was quite the flattering introduction. Um, yeah, as you said, we've worked together in the past, and uh, I've had the pleasure of working with you and uh, kind of watching you go out and do some pretty interesting things and do some consulting now, which has been a lot of fun. So um, I've had a really interesting background business-wise. Uh, one of my first jobs was running a business. So I've been a business owner. I've been a consultant for many years, and I've worked in several larger organizations, um, both for-profit and not-for-profit, which, which has been also a lot of fun. So some pretty diverse experience. Probably my favorite of all, though, is consulting. Uh, my specialties in consulting are usually strategic management and executive coaching, uh, two of the things I love very much to talk about. So should be a fun conversation. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. So um, tell us a little bit. So we want to get into some conversation today. You know, As you're working as a consultant and you're also working in a role as an executive, what are some of the new pressures and expectations and demands that you're seeing um, maybe on yourself or on people around you, your peers, as executives? What, what, what are you sensing and what are you seeing out there today? You know, the today part is the really fun and interesting part of that question because today is crazy between COVID going on and for us uh, living in upstate New York, a new governor coming in and regulations changing. Being that I'm in healthcare right now, constant new CMS and Medicare guidelines, it's, it's a constant change. Uh, technology has gone crazy, especially with the advent of people working from home. Automation and artificial intelligence are through the roof. So the biggest challenge I think I see is people, executives, leaders really keeping up with what's changing and how do I adapt my business to keep up with that change? And if I don't adapt, what are the consequences of that? Absolutely. So when we talk about this idea of at being adaptive, what are maybe some uh, examples of, you know, is it is it a mindset? Is it prioritization? Is it kind of mental hygiene? You know, any one of those, do you have any, any examples of, of things that you're seeing? It's, it's all the above. Adaptive really means that you're first willing to change, second, able to change. So the willingness is usually not too difficult with executives. I've often noticed that executives are more willing than most to change. 
And that may be because they're often responsible for that change. You know, they say nobody really dislikes change. They dislike being changed. So executives are usually in the role where they're not being changed. They're usually starting that change. Uh, so that seems to make the, the change part a bit more palatable. So it's definitely uh, change is good and by most executives desired, but it's really just the amount of how much change. And if, if I am willing to change, what needs to change? And how do I help my organization realize that this change is necessary and help them work through it? That's that's the adaptability piece, right? Again, I think most leaders are fairly adaptable and will figure out how to do what they need to do to survive. But it's really working with your teams to help them be adaptable and realize what needs to change as well. Yeah, I completely agree. So are you seeing anything that's been working really well? And I'm going to kind of dive into this a little bit. And then maybe, I don't know if you're working with folks that are remote or hybrid, um, but I know there's a lot of people that are. And so if you have any insight into that as to what's working to help, you know, be, be adaptable. Yeah. So the work from home has been interesting. We, as, as COVID came on uh, at hometown healthcare, where I'm currently the chief administration officer, we realized that we needed to get everybody off site. So, so much had to change in order to do that. Technology changes and personnel uh, understanding of HR policies had to change. Um, and it all had to change fairly quickly because once New York State determined that you couldn't work anywhere, as well as being in healthcare. So as part of healthcare, we were on the front lines. So we were considered a necessary organization, but it was mandated based upon your state that anybody who could be working remotely, should be working remotely. So that change was fairly significant. And what we did to ramp up for that was got together as an executive team, looked at what are the current challenges and how are we going to tackle these challenges? Once we did that, we realized probably the most important thing we could do was start communicating regularly with our staff. What's this going to look like? So come up with a plan, figure out where you are, where you want to be, and then just help walk people through that plan. And even though, so we had spent basically days, maybe even weeks figuring out the plan. So in our minds, it was all done and buttoned up and clear. But what you realize as you start to roll out this plan is this is new information for everybody. So as an executive, as you're making these plans, we all get stabilized in our minds. We think, oh, I know this. Everybody must know this. Just a common misconception that we all have. And then you realize you start telling people what you now know. People have no idea. So it's the communicate, communicate, communicate idea that we always have to go through. Come up with a good communication plan and realize that you have to now spell out everything that you've thought through for the last few weeks. That was our fun yeah, adventure so through COVID. I can imagine. Well, obviously you guys made it through it, and you know, and I don't know, you know, where the uh, bodies have been stored, uh, you know. Or anything like that, um, but there's always a little bit of collateral damage. There's always, you know, hey, you, we made it through, and in hindsight, if you had to do it again, you know, what would be the lessons learned? I mean, have you guys done a a review of that, you know, emergency process, that execution, and or would you maybe do one right now and say, hey, this is what we learned. We could we could have done this differently. So we do our regular executive, or we call a tactical executive tactical once a week. And we do the short cycle. So every week, part of our executive tactical is a quick review. So while we were making these changes, we did a weekly review of, hey, what's working? What's not working? What did we miss? If you're familiar with the PDCA cycle, right? The plan, do, check, act. 
Uh, that cycle became a weekly cycle while we're in the throes of, of dramatic change. But then as you know, you get through the initial stage of that change and it starts to become more of your new normal, we need to check regularly, maybe once a month, maybe once every three months, which right now is about where we are every three months. So a lot of good came from that change. What we realized is we don't actually need all of our staff on site. Some of our staff has a good role for being remote. So we actually have about two thirds of our staff now is remote and is gonna stay remote. Uh, the good news there is we are growing and we're always adding staff. And as we continue to grow, our facility needs aren't going to explode as quickly as they would have otherwise. So that's a benefit. But even now, as we, we were starting to kind of get used to this remote work plan, it's still uh, every three months, hey, what did we learn in the last three months about working remotely? What do our teams know? What have they learned? What are their next needs to continue growing into a place where we can, we can lead well and manage well remotely? Because it's not trivial. Managing remotely is very different than managing by proximity. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I, I want to ask a question. This is something that we've seen and we've we've come across, and and I'm, I, I imagine you've you've weaved it into your management style as well. And and if you love to hear if you have any specific examples, but how much has empathy and the ability to demonstrate and hold empathy um, been necessary during this past season of transition? Yeah, it's it's critical. On the bright side, on the good, the really good side, fortunate, one of uh, hometown healthcare's main core values, one of our four core values is empathy and grace. So fortunately, we realized how important that was before we started going through this change. But, but yeah, as you call out, empathy is critical. So being able to put yourself in the shoes of the people that have to go through a change that they weren't expecting to go through and understand the feelings and, and the emotions that go with that becomes critical if you want to get your teams healthily through a change. So it may be too broad a brush of a statement, but in my experience coaching and working with other executives, many executives' primary gift is not naturally empathy. So when we talk about empathy, what are we talking about there? It's not necessarily the in, innate, inherent ability to feel what all the people around you feel. That's the gift of empathy. And it seems that some, but not many executives have that gift. So really, when we talk about empathy, we're talking about the ability to stop for a moment, stop your own thoughts, stop your own mind and say, hey, what is going on with the person that's in front of me? What is going on in the conversations we're having? Or even anticipate when we share this, how is it going to be received? Not how I would receive it, but knowing my teams, knowing our staff, how are they going to receive this? And try to think about how that will feel for them and try to understand some of the emotions that this will bring up and then work to, you know, work through that with them. Um, so if, if you, in, in my experience, if we don't do that, it seems to go very painfully. It seems that people will quickly realize that you don't understand how this feels and you don't understand that you're making a change and you're changing us. You're not introducing change, you're forcing change and you don't know what that feels like. And once it seems that our teams feel that way, it's hard to even recover from that. So to your point, going into this with the expectation that empathy is gonna be key is extremely helpful when you're introducing change. Absolutely. Um, now, without naming names or anything, getting too much detail, is there any um, 
Is there any story or scenario that might crystallize how either you or one of your colleagues demonstrated empathy in the last uh, several months as we've been going through this 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 crisis? Yeah, that's a great question. I I, I can use myself. I use the name. I use myself because. Uh, I'm probably one of those executives where empathy is not my natural strength. Uh, yeah, and even in the in the leadership uh, LPIs, I, I don't usually naturally score high and on empathy. It's something I've had to learn to do well. So, so yeah, a simple instance: we were changing our phone system, so we had an in-house phone system. Um, and one of my responsibilities as chief administration officer is IT. So we had to change over our phone system. Um, so that it wasn't going to be an internal phone system anymore. It was now going to be a voice over IP, a VoIP phone system. And as I went through and looked at the options and worked with our IT manager and went through and made decisions about what was going to be best, was going to work best, I even reached out and got input from our primary phone users about what their expectations were. Once we did all of that, we gathered it all together and made a decision what we're going to do. We put together a schedule to roll out, and then we rolled out. And because we had buy-in, we had worked with the teams uh, ahead of time, we assumed that, oh, the rollout will go just fine and it'll be rolled out and everybody will be perfectly happy. But the fact is, at the end of the day, it was a significant change and things didn't work exactly as were expected. And while our teams did phenomenal at adopting to this, I was oblivious to the fact that they weren't completely happy. I wasn't thinking at all about, hey, how did it go? And you had mentioned earlier, What's your cycle for circling back around and checking on it? That PDCA cycle, right? Totally botched it, missed it all together until finally somebody else said to me, hey, <laughs> this may not have gone as well as you thought it did. Completely surprised. I was like, huh, what? Explain that. So in hindsight, uh, one of the things I realized I absolutely should have done, and it's one of those lessons that you kick yourself for because after doing this so many times, you should just know this, right? I should have realized, well, of course, You've got to make sure you follow on for a little while afterwards. So my fail was to not follow on after we had actually implemented the change to ensure that everybody's expectations were met. So I just assumed if people have problems, they voice them and bring them forward. But again, it people don't always think the same way about telling their executive that there's a problem. Sometimes that's a little more inhibiting than we as executives expect it to be. Sometimes it's hard to say, hey, I know you thought that was a good idea, but it wasn't as good of an idea as you thought. So you, you really need just to be empathetic and understand that and do the cycle, follow back around and say, hey, did we miss anything? Is this meeting your expectations or what do we need to continue to work on? So there's an example I of love where that. I was very empathetic. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, and, and diving into this and, and, and Frank, you know, I think our listeners can resonate with you, right? Um, empathy is not my first step either. And, um, and, and, and I do well, I mix well with folks like you where empathy is not on the top radar. It's just like, Hey, what is it? What do we need to do? Like get out and get it done. Um, go, go, but, go, do, do, do. <laughs> yeah. But the reality is, is we need to be able to pull strengthen that muscle. We need to be able to develop that muscle and, exercise that. And, and I think in remote work, hybrid teams in the midst of everything we've been going through the last, you know, 18 months, 20 months, um, this is, this is an essential thing for executives and for leaders. And I'm curious, 
as a consultant, as a coach, as an executive, as someone that has had to develop this, what might be some great starting points or great tips or tactics that somebody could go out and start using today uh, to help develop that muscle if it's not so natural? That is a great question, Greg. Um, As with most things, what we learn when we're coaching is self-awareness becomes key, right? And I think I know for a long time, I wasn't very self-aware or I'm still learning how to be self-aware, right? We always learn more about ourselves, learning our blind spots and our flaws. So I I think the first tool is really self-awareness. I know you and I have both done something called an LPI assessment, which is the Leadership Practices Inventory. I remember when I did the LPI assessment for the first time, one of the questions or one of the, the practices in that inventory is encouraging the heart. And it was very interesting to see how my peers and the people who worked with me rated me on that practice. So seeing that I wasn't stellar there was not a complete eye-opener, but it really helped me understand the impacts of that not being something I worked on. So I think one of the most important tools we can gain is self-awareness. The LPI is a great tool for leadership practice um, self-awareness. And then once, once you understand what your level of empathy may be in this case, Uh, you can put together a plan of how do I improve this? How do I increase this empathy? Assuming that is a goal that you'll have once you see that empathy isn't your strength. For some of us out there, empathy will be a strength. So awesome. Great for you guys. Have fun picking the next thing you have to work on. That's awesome. Uh, But for those of us where empathy isn't a strength, I found that uh, after I received the feedback from my LPI, I put together a plan. And then most importantly, I think I shared that plan with everybody who gave me input and asked them to hold me accountable. And that was really key because um, I got some input on my plan, which was fantastic. And I got some some suggestions which helped, which helped. And then just knowing that I had told everybody what I wanted to do really kind of helped me to doing it and following through that new behavior, that new practice going forward. So those are a couple, mm. I guess, hints. Yeah. So right uh, uh, one thing I'm hearing is like, hey, get get some awareness around this for yourself. And that can be through an assessment. Uh, that might be through some candid feedback from people that know you, like you trust you and and and, and can actually speak to you. Uh, but yeah. you need to get that. You need to get the feedback of how people sense you. Right. Yes. And then yep. um, this, the second thing is, is I, I heard you say, you know, hey, you stated a plan. So you you publicly declared a plan and, and you kind of created a level of accountability for yourself to say, um, hey, look, this is an area I'm working on and I want you to know it. And I want you to, you know, and it's going to help me develop this muscle because I'm articulating it, you know, openly and I'm I'm making this goal public, essentially. Yes. So those are two fantastic, fantastic tips I think folks and our listeners can can grab and run with. Yeah. And as you unpack that, it made me think of something, the uh, leadership and strategy, which we're talking about. Um, that that's a personal strategy. Right. And to tie this back to organizational strategy. That personal strategy follows the same exact model as your organizational strategy, right? Identify who and where you are. For for this example, that was self-awareness. Identify who and where you want to be. I want to be an empathetic leader, so that's my plan. Identify how you will move from where you are to where you want to be, and then execute on that plan. Those are the basic four steps of strategy, whether it's a personal strategy, whether it's an organizational strategy, that's the idea of strategy. And the best method I've found to help with personal strategy is coaching. 
Okay. That's basically Fantastic. the coaching process, right? Figure out who yes. or where you are, figure out who or where you want to be, draw a path from where you are to where you want to be. And then your coach helps you execute on that plan. That's fantastic. Uh, well, we've dove in. I think this is a, a really good topic because as, as any executive or organization is thinking about how they can be more adaptive, I think now and likely forevermore, empathy at the right balance at the right time and, and having the skill of being able to empathize with you know a direct report or with a peer or with a, a, a two, two steps down, someone that is in your in your purview of leadership, being able to empathize with them, understand their situation is is really kind of part of the glue that keeps an organization together. And you know, right now, I don't know what you're seeing. We're seeing a lot of people leaving businesses, a lot of people saying, hey, you know what, I'm done. I've, you know, for whatever reason, they're saying I'm done with what I was doing. And it's actually getting talent is a, a big challenge. Finding people with the right skill set and being able to keep them is a challenge. And I think that not in, in what do I want to say here? Um, I think empathy is critical, but it may not be the only thing. Um, but I think empathy is going to be a real critical component to keeping your talent and and building your organization. Uh, Frank, before we wrap up, um, if people wanted to get a hold of you, where could they find you? And would you have any other comments for our listeners before we wrap up today? I would just agree with what you said, Greg. I think empathy is key. It's one of the uh, one of the things we all need as leaders to gain more influence. And as leaders, that's what we most crave is influence. We know influence is what helps us succeed as leaders. So it's hard to have influence if you don't have empathy because people really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? Which is, that's the empathetic perspective. So yeah, that's, I would agree with what you said. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, probably the easiest way is shoot me an email. It's frank at denos, D-E-N as in Nancy, O-S dot O-R-G. It's my email address. Uh, and I always respond to those fairly quickly. Excellent. Well, Frank, it's always a pleasure to have a, a, a leadership conversation with you. And I appreciate you coming on our show today. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Greg. This was fun. Thank you for joining us on the Adaptive Executive Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. You can follow us on LinkedIn and by subscribing to our mailing list. Again, my name is Greg Ballard and thank you for listening.